Hello and welcome to Well It Depends, a podcast exploring the grey areas of health, fitness and life. I am your host, Charlie Beestone. I'm a qualified nutritionist and performance coach who works with everyone from elite athletes and CEOs to recreational gym goers and the general population. Well, it depends is the title of this podcast as it's probably the three words that I say most often when asked a question. Because more often than not, the answer is, well, it depends. The aim of this podcast is to try and resist the urge to oversimplify complex topics and to dive deeper to help you, the listener, improve your understanding at a less superficial level. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope that it challenges you to reappraise your tightly held beliefs, that you remain open to alternative perspectives and that you deepen your understanding of the subjects discussed, even if you already have some knowledge of the topic. As basketball coach John Wooden once said, it's what you learn after you know all that counts. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello and welcome to podcast number four now. Uh, I can't quite believe it's been four already, but there we go. I am armed with a quite ridiculously big cup of tea and a topic for today. So I best get started really. Um, Today I wanted to talk about identity and the role that identity has in a few different parts of our lives and obviously bringing it back to nutrition and behavior change and those sorts of things. Identity and self it's a huge topic and I could go down so many different avenues with it. I've tried to keep this relatively short. It's probably an area that I will dive back into at some point, probably with some help from someone else on some of the areas that are outside my wheelhouse and sort of knowledge really. Um, so I guess first I wanted to talk through the four different reasons that I chose identity as this podcast topic. And it's a, a subject that's sort of floated around in my brain for the past four or five years, probably. Um, I first became interested in how identity changes our behaviour, uh, probably a few years ago when I was working in sport. So I had a job as a performance lifestyle coach, which is basically helping athletes with their life outside of sport. So my job was to help student athletes and professional athletes with their various identities and balancing all of those. So that might be student, it might be athlete, but that could also be things like friend, uh, sibling, child, partner, colleague, employee, boss, etc. So we all have these different hats that we all have to wear. And a lot of life is just about how do we balance those and how do we make sure that we prioritise them when they need prioritising. I noticed that when athletes were focused solely on their athletic identity, they were more likely to get caught up in the highs of their sport potentially, but really they got disproportionately affected by the lows of the sport as well. And that's really difficult for an athlete when their sport's not going well for them. So whether they don't get selected, whether they go through a run of poor form or poor performance, injury was a massive one. And um, if you sort of base your whole identity and self and life around being able to perform at a certain level in a sport and immediately in a split second that gets taken away from you for nine months for example uh, with an extreme injury like an ACL injury that can be really challenging for an athlete and one of the things I want to speak about today is actually the importance of having multiple identities and nurturing more than one identity so that if one is taken away or not going so well we actually have lots of other things and that, that one thing does not define us. 
Um, this is something that I see loads in retirement with athletes. So that's why there's loads of roles like the performance lifestyle coach in different sports and different teams. There's also charities and organisations that help out with that sort of transition. Um, the really tragic example I always think of is the Yeovil captain, Lee Collins, who took his own life. And one of his friends noted that he worried about paying his bills and what he was going to do when football finished because his whole life and career was football. Once that finished, what was next? And that's a really common sort of crossroads for people who are professional athletes and participate in professional sport to get to. So that was where identity sort of first came into my awareness and my thinking. Another time that stands out a lot for me was during lockdown. So at the start of lockdown, obviously in the UK, all the gyms were closed. And a lot of people were very upset about the fact that gyms were closed and completely understand that I was one of those people. It was a real shame that I couldn't access the gym at a time when that would have really helped me. And I saw a lot of people on social media very upset. And again, some people, gym owners, personal trainers, that's their job as well. So that was, or businesses, that's obviously a very different scenario. But there were people who were saying that you can't close the gym because I need the gym for my mental health which I completely understand. I know how important lifting and exercise are for my mental health. But I kind of see this in the same way that I saw the athlete example above. If you're allowing something as important as your health to hinge on one thing and you identify as someone who can only be mentally healthy if they can go to the gym, you're only one thing changing from having that taken away from you. So again, injury, life circumstances changing, worldwide pandemic, you're one of those things away from losing something very important to you and to your health, which isn't the most resilient position to be in. Uh, a couple more examples. More recently, I've been thinking a lot about people who become fused to an identity around nutrition specifically. So we see Instagram uh, bios that are full of calorie counter or low carb or keto. Like You can't be a keto person. That's not an identity. That's just a, I mean, it's a physiological state and you can't identify as that. Um, or some people have Instagram names that have like Slimming World Jess 77. Um, I didn't check if that was one. So if that was an actual handle, apologies, Jess, if you're listening. Um, but there's people who identify with these certain labels as well, like all or nothing or emotional eating. And then we start to be- believe the sort of stereotypes around those ident- identities that we give ourselves. Like, I can't have such and such in the house without eating it. And these identities, we are not born with, we take them on. And I think that's a really nice example of an identity or taking on an identity when it's not actually necessarily that useful for us. And the last example that I wanted to talk about was myself, obviously. So this wouldn't be the selfish, self-indulgent podcast that it is if I wasn't using it in part to identify the issues in my life and where I need to change. So there's been the realisation for me recently, and I've probably always known this, but it's come up a lot more recently, that having got to the point where I completed two degrees, I had to work pretty hard to secure various different jobs in sport, which is in nutrition, incredibly competitive, um, and then built two businesses that were, well, one was solely reliant on me and my knowledge, and the other one was semi-reliant on me obviously um that a lot of my worth and identity is tangled up with a how much i feel like i know and b how well my business does 
And I think that's like inevitable to an extent. I think most people who are self-employed or in businesses feel like this. But I know that probably recently my identity has become sort of too singular and too focused just on I am how my business does. And obviously that's dependent on something external and not always within our control. Um, But I know that then if I'm sort of one or two months where I don't hit my targets, I start to feel really bad about myself when in reality my work and my job is only one of several identities and it's very easy when you are self-employed to work all the time and that be the only thing that you do and then if you take that on and it doesn't go well you don't maintain any of your other identities and you sort of just internalize that you're the problem rather than one facet of your life is an issue so the majority of this podcast has stemmed from me understanding and working through the idea that I know that for me to be the best version of myself I can't be too tangled up in my business and that be all I do because that never ends particularly well for me and it's probably probably happened to me three or four times over the past few years where I've got to that point and then I start to reflect and think actually I need to look outside of that to make sure that I'm staying happier and healthier so that's where this idea of identity came from. Um, I wanted to start with what our identities are until are our are. Um, I wanted to start with what our identities are. So we could use the term sort of self-concept instead of identities. Um, and they're sort of interchangeable. They're probably not, but I sort of see them interchangeably. I think a lot of people would understand what I mean by identity, which is sort of what I've gone with that. But it's effectively how we think about ourselves, how we perceive ourselves and evaluate ourselves. So if we look at some of the sort of self-concept theory, there's our existential self, which is that sense that we get that we are separate and different from other people and other things. And we pick this up within the first couple of months of being alive. Um, We start to know that we are our own individual self. And then... After the first few months, we develop our categorical self, where we start to identify with some of our characteristics, such as our age. So you might have a toddler say, oh, I'm two years, three months. And gender, size, some of the things we can do. I'm pretty sure that I used to, uh, I was pretty proud of the fact that I was potty trained to the point where I used to walk around the supermarket and tell people. So there is that sort of identification of ourselves um, through categories. And then later on, we do this through our careers, the type of people we want to be and the type of skills we want to have, etc. So we're probably all aware of the fact that we give ourselves categories. If someone says, tell me about yourself, we probably got two or three really awkward answers to that question. Um, the psychologist Carl Rogers believes that we are made up of uh, our self-image, which is how we view ourselves, our self-esteem, which is how much value we place on ourselves, and our our ideal self what we wish to be so the things that we want to achieve who we want to become so with self-identity and values this self-concept theory has been looked at through the sort of behavior change lens and we know that people are more likely to maintain their behaviors if they are in line with the beliefs that they have about themselves and more importantly perhaps is that self-identity and values can change if someone engages in a behavior so for example if someone exercises regularly they might start to identify as an athlete or an active person or um, someone who's health conscious or that thing such as crossfitter or weightlifter or powerlifter, for example. Um, 
if you start writing a lot, you might start to identify as a writer. These are examples of when we do an action enough times, we start to identify as that thing. And that's actually really useful from a behavior change perspective. There's also the uh, process of reinvention theory, which suggests that basically, based on our certain life events, we can change our identities and therefore change our behaviors. So within the literature, there is this idea that who we are is fluid, or at least when it is fluid, that is what underpins successful behavior change. And we'll come on to examples where maybe that isn't fluid and some of the problems that we run into. So I've touched on some of the benefits of our identities and having an identity. So like we said, we can use identities to maintain behaviors or even to begin new behaviors. And um, so a lot of people have read James Clear's Atomic Habits. It's one of the top five books on Amazon and always will be. Um, but he says that every action that you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. This is one of the biggest sort of reasons why small changes work really well because every time you can tick off a small change yes it becomes a habit and we all know about sort of habit formation and why it's important to build habits but it also just gives yourself that little nod that actually I've done this again today this is something that I really care about this actually really matters to me and I've not just said it like a lot of people do I've not just said oh, actually I care about this I've shown myself that I care about this in the actions that I've taken so these changes in identity are uh, positive for behavior change and for the maintenance of behavior change. Again, there's a bit of a difference there. So lots of people we see change their behavior. They might change their food or their exercise. Maintenance of behavior is the real difficult part. A lot of people may diet for four, six, eight weeks. How many people maintain their progress? Six, 12, 18 months further down the line. So the behaviors that are congruent with our identity is key for us to internalize our behaviors. They become part of our values, part of our attitudes. And this internalization is sort of theorized as a really key feature of actually maintaining our behavior. So having these identities, being able to change identities, it's really important. It probably gives us some form of motivation and drive that actually if I know the sort of person I want to be, I know what actions I'm going to take. I know why I'm taking the actions because I want to be this sort of person. But there are a few drawbacks when it comes to identities, or at least the way that certain people potentially over-identify with their identities or become too focused on a single identity. So the first drawback that I wanted to talk about is the over-identification with a certain identity, particularly one with negative connotations. So uh, in the book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before?, which I'd also recommend, uh, Dr. Judy Smith suggests that over-identifying with an identity has an impact on our emotions in the future. So rather than over-identifying as a certain identity or a certain thing, so like an example in food would be emotional eater or all or nothing. An example more generally might be identifying as an anxious person rather than as a person with anxiety. So she suggests that a better approach might be if we acknowledge the specifics of our experience as temporary, that might help you distance yourself. So that's that difference between I am an emotional eater or I'm someone who sometimes eats when they get this sort of emotion. Adam Grant also points out that if we become too wrapped up in our identities, then we take on different mindsets to try and protect them. So as we think and talk, we slip into these mindsets of what he describes as three different professions. So the preacher, the prosecutor and the politician. 
And we take on these identities and use a distinct set of tools. So if we're in preacher mode, when someone challenges our beliefs or they're in jeopardy, we start delivering sermons um, to protect and promote our ideals. Uh, prosecutor mode, when we see flaws in other people's reasoning. So we argue with them to try and prove them wrong and win our case. And politician mode, when we're trying to win over an audience, we campaign and lobby for the approval of people. The risk is that when we become so wrapped up in preaching that we're right, prosecuting other people because we think they're wrong and trying to get support from people, we actually don't bother to rethink or challenge our own views. So this is something that you see on social media all the time. You'll hear people say like, I don't see how, or there is no way that. And as soon as you say that, you've closed off any sort of potential avenue for you to think maybe there is a way that that could be right. Or maybe I could be wrong on this. So becoming too fused to a certain identity probably doesn't help us for a number of reasons. But one of those reasons is we actually don't allow ourselves to be curious and to think maybe there's more than one way of looking at this, of doing this, of thinking about this. And we know that when we can explore different ways of thinking about things, of doing things, that's probably going to lead us to better behaviours. Because rather than just trying the same thing over and over again, even if it doesn't work, we might try something else. We'll abandon what we've done before, try something new and see if that works instead. So that was over-identification with a certain identity. Um, being too focused on one single identity. So this was something I spoke about that I was currently struggling with, something I've seen athletes, something I've seen certain clients with. Um, too focused on I am this person leads us to not really evaluate other options again so becoming the best version of ourselves requires us to continuously edit our beliefs and to upgrade and expand our identity so obviously our identity is formed when we are children it changes when we are adolescent it changes when we become adults it changes throughout adult life as well so actually as soon as you close off your desire or your ability to upgrade and expand your identities you're going to become too focused on your one identity. And I don't think that's necessarily helpful. And then lastly, we start to believe certain stereotypes about our identity. So we, there's some good research on this where um, societal preconceptions about an aspect of one of our identities, often things like gender, ethnicity or age, are an actual obstacle to our performance. So there's a really nice study where they looked at uh, Asian undergraduate women and they played two common stereotypes against each other. So one was that females are inherently bad at mathematics. The other was that Asians are naturally skilled at mathematics. One group of students was asked to record their gender before they took the test. Uh, it was a basic maths test, and they simply had to write down they were female. The other group were asked to indicate their ethnicity. Interestingly, the group that was primed to hold their ethnicity in mind did really well on the test, and the group that was settled to identify with their gender perform really poorly which is really interesting because obviously these students had both characteristics and it's just about if we only identify with one of our identities we start to believe some of the stereotypes around that identity as well and i've mentioned this in terms of food and all or nothing or emotional eating thing um sort of thinking if we believe these things and we believe these things are fixed we start to believe some of the stereotypes around them so the all or nothing thinker thinks well, I know that I can't um, start a diet 
and sort of just try and be a bit flexible. I know I have to be really on it, otherwise I'm really off it. And these become self-fulfilling prophecies. And all they are is stories that we tell ourselves based on stereotypes about an identity that we've actually only given ourselves as well. So we're getting the identity from ourselves, which is only a story that we tell ourselves. And then we also tell ourselves the stereotypes around our make-believe identity. And that's where we run into problems because there's two things there that we've just made up on our own. We weren't born with them. We've taken them on from the people around us or our environment and internalised them. And a lot of the work around behaviour change with food that I do is helping people challenge those beliefs. Because if you can challenge those beliefs and look elsewhere, that's where the answers are. So if we're to change our identity, um, I think that's going to be a really important part of behaviour change for a lot of people. So we need to define our identity in terms of our values, not our opinions. So again, that's a really nice quote from Adam Grant. Um, it's easier to avoid getting stuck in our past beliefs if we don't become attached to them as part of our self-concept. So if you can see yourself as someone who values curiosity, learning, flexibility, um, <clears throat> in terms of psychological flexibility and searching for knowledge, as you form your opinions, you can keep a list of things that would change your mind. And over time, you, you open yourself up to change. Whereas if you define yourself as your opinion, that's never going to change. And that's when people start getting stuck. Again, that's Julie Smith sort of mentioned this earlier. If you can identify as a person that wants to reduce their anxiety, that's going to lead to much better results than identifying as an anxious person. So we need to decide the type of person that we want to be and, and focus not on what we want to achieve, but who we want to become. There was a really nice analogy in Atomic Habits where um, James Clear sort of mentioned the difference in if you were trying to quit smoking and someone said, would you like a cigarette? The difference in saying, no, thanks, I'm trying to quit versus no, thank you, I'm not a smoker. So one is just you resisting something and that's probably going to lead to you smoking at some point. Whereas as if you say, I'm not a smoker, you are no longer identify with that behavior. It's not part of your identity. And therefore, you're less likely to smoke a cigarette as a result. I mentioned this one earlier. So um, proving to yourself with small wins in the direction of the identity you want to become. So if I wanted to identify as someone who cares about their health and having enough energy to do all the things I love, I could prove that to myself by making sure that I get eight hours sleep as a non-negotiable. I might try and get portion of food with every single meal i might make sure that any exercise i do is fueled adequately all the things that i spoke about in other podcasts in terms of basics of nutrition you might use those behaviors to prove to yourself that actually these are things i care about and a lot of people when they try and make change their the things they say they identify with their behaviors are doing the opposite and they wonder why they can't change if you say that you identify as someone who really love spending time with their kids and having energy to do that but you're going on a 400 calorie shake diet they don't add up and that's why you start to become stuck um i wanted to talk about a little bit about um, acceptance commitment therapy and obviously i'm not a therapist so this is not therapeutic advice but i think some of the content in that sort of therapy and some of the literature around that is really useful in this conversation so the goal of act is to promote psychological flexibility, which is basically the ability to distance from current mindsets and consider other possible mindsets. So the ability to distance ourselves from a way of thinking 
about ourselves and our identity and look at other possible alternatives. Some of the app literature says that we struggle for four different reasons. One of them is the fusion of thoughts. One is the evaluation of experiences. Another is avoidance of thoughts and actions. And another is reasoning. So that sort of fear acronym. And I know I can relate to at least two of those in terms of the things that I mentioned I was struggling with earlier. Um, the fusion of thoughts and that how I perform in my business and in my work defines who I am. And that's how I evaluate all of my experiences. So if we're looking for psychological flexibility, we're looking to avoid that fusion of thoughts. And some of the exercises around that look at something called cognitive diffusion. So trying to distance yourself from those thoughts and allowing them to go by and actually not clinging to them too tightly. So there are different tasks and you can look up some of these um, in your own time. An example might be the external voice where instead of saying, I'm going to fail, you could say, I'm having a thought that I'm going to fail. So you're creating that space between you and the thought. Typing out what you are thinking and then changing the font, the color, the formatting to make it look different and to sort of create that space. A really nice one that I've used with some clients is uh, called leaves on a stream. So when the thought pops up, imagine placing it on a leaf on top of a gentle stream and just watching it disappear. So you don't have to believe everything that you think. You don't have to act on everything you think. You can take that thought and just watch it drift away which again is something I use and I think it's really nice to help me not get too fused to these ideas around me as this individual identity as this one thing and actually look at some of the alternatives. So hopefully that was useful. Obviously it was incredibly self-indulgent because a lot of it was based around stuff that I'm thinking at the moment. Um, and if it was useful for no one else but me, then as I said in the first episode, I don't really care. That's what I'm doing this for. Um, just to summarise, Obviously, a lot of this came from my own struggle with identity around work and other bits of my life. Um, and forging an identity that both sees my work is really important because it is, but it's not all that I am. Um, I think for people to take away from this is understand who your ideal or best version of yourself is, is a really nice place to start. And then you can start thinking what are the behaviours that are a vote for that identity. So there's a marketing expert Seth Godin who says if you want to be a leader then lead if you want to be a writer then write um, he always used the example that if you want to be someone who is known for telling the truth then start telling the truth no one says I can't wait until I start telling the truth in, in the future so that everyone thinks I'm someone who tells the truth you start with the action you don't start by giving yourself this sort of label or identity start with the action first Remember that your thoughts and feelings can change, but you can stay the same. So don't become your thoughts. You can observe your thoughts and think, actually, I'm going to challenge that and look at something else. And growth, change, progress, they all require an update of our identities, our values, our thoughts. And whether you can change your behavior when it comes to nutrition, fitness, health, I think it could well hinge on whether you're willing to be curious, open, willing to change, having a look at your identities and beliefs around yourself, around your food, around your behaviours, and then deciding whether you think there's something you can change. And for the people that don't believe they can change, they won't change. And for people that actually say, I'm going to look at being open to the idea that maybe I can change, they give themselves every single chance. 
So that's pretty much everything that I wanted to cover today. Again, I really hope that was useful. If you've got any questions, feel free to drop me a message on Instagram at cbnutrition underscore. Drop me an email if you would like to at info at cb-nutrition.com. Um, yeah, any thoughts or feedback on the podcast would be amazing. Any topics that you'd like me to cover would be great. Um, and please do share this with people that you think it might be useful for if you think they'd enjoy it. Uh, have a lovely week thank you for listening